Pray with me. Gracious God, thank you for coming near to us in Jesus. Thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for your gospel. Come now in your word and challenge us, encourage us, show us your good news again. and Show us what it means to believe anew each and every day and to trust you and to live that out. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul, can you click on the first slide? It's not working for me. Thanks. Now it, now it is. <sighs> so look at the uh, sermon title in the bulletin, and look at the hymn we just sang. <laughs> I did that on purpose. Did you catch the gospel reading and what was going on in there? <laughs> and then you have hymns like, Jesus, so sweet, and which is true, but it's not the whole story. So I did that on purpose. <laughs> There's no... There's no hymns about Jesus' family thinking he's crazy, so there's no section in the hymnal for that. So I did the opposite and put the opposite of what's going on as a a hymn to show us uh, in a bit of light humor. We're looking at the Gospel of Mark this summer. Mark is one of the four called Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and they all write differently to tell you who Jesus is. Mark is the second one, and it's the shortest one. I don't know if Mark was just a, a pamphlet writer as opposed to a book writer, or you know, he had very specific reasons, or only had a certain amount of pages, and, and he was going to make it fit, but he wrote short and succinct, and he doesn't any, even include things like the birth of Jesus. That's in Luke, it's in Matthew, not at all in Mark. Mark just begins by saying, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then he goes, he's rolling, and then he tells you what Jesus is up to, what he's doing. Mark is action-packed and tells you the life and ministry of Jesus, what he did, but he wants to press you to answer, who do you believe Jesus is, and will you follow him? So those are the questions we're going to keep returning to. You can read almost any, basically any story in Mark, any chapter, any snippet, and ask yourself those two questions. Who do I believe Jesus is, and will I follow him? And you can have a fruitful devotion and prayer all the way through the gospel of Mark. A word, though, let me back up a minute, on gospel. Mark just begins, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, that's a bit of a troll, if you know what that means, on other writings in the first century. There were writings about the Caesars that said the the gospel of Caesar Augustus. That's seen on inscriptions and on things. And it was a term used to say, hey, for an emperor or a military leader, I've done something good, usually in battle. I've defeated these, these people for you, and here are the blessings I bring to you. That's what the term in uh, first century Greek usage got used, was gospel meant, hey, I, I've beat all these people in battle, and I bring this good news to you of what I bring. And here Mark comes along and says, and all the other gospel writers, the beginning of the gospel of, not Caesar, but Jesus. Well, what is it? What, wh- who is Jesus, and what is his gospel? See how Mark has hooked you now? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Well, what is this gospel? Who is Jesus? When Mark's saying, hey, come along, read the rest with me. And so we've been through part of Mark 1 and part of Mark uh, 3. So we're kind of going quickly through one, read 1 and 2 on your own if you can. We're going to spend a lot of time between Mark 3 and Mark 8 between now and Labor Day. And over and over again, Mark 
in each story is saying, who do you believe Jesus is? Because that'll change your life, and it'll direct your life, and will you follow him? Before we get to today's story, I want to tell you a little bit about the reliability of the Gospels. So, uh, histor- history people, you'll enjoy this. Non-history people, you know, bear with me a little bit. But th- this is important to me, and I think for those of us that trust the Bible and want to know we can. About 200 years ago, scholars started to doubt the historical reliability of the Gospels. That is to say, they started to say, read something in the Gospels about Jesus and say, I don't think that happened. Or I don't think he really said that. Usually it's miracles. I, didn't think, I don't think that happened. And so many people started to say, well, they were stories. Jesus was some sort of historical figure who did some stuff, and then these stories got embellished over time. And then, you know, many, you know, generations after Jesus, they got written down by the time they got built up. You know, the classic telephone game, you know, I I say to, you know, the bench is over here, let's go to Subway at noon. And, you know, by the time it gets around to the Hebels, you know, it's like, you know, my cat died, you know, and I'm sad. You know, it it just, but that's a, a very... Many people believe that. It's a popular theory because we've, uh, that analogy works for playing the telephone game, but that's not how the Bible was written or translated or transmitted. That's not true. But it, it has been believed for a long time, and it ruled the day for nearly 200 years. One person who's a good example of this was a British author named A.N. Wilson. In his 30s, he said he lost, he grew up Christian, but then he said he lost any religious belief whatsoever. And he not only said he became an atheist, he became an ardent atheist and wrote things assaulting Christian beliefs, saying how stupid it was to believe all these things. He even wrote a book on Jesus called Jesus, A Life in 1992. And in that book he said the Gospels are basically all legendary. You know, don't believe a thing, truth about them. Fast forward 17 years in 2009, so not that long ago, famously now, uh, Wilson revealed that he believed in Jesus again. He kind of secretly started going to church and people kind of caught on. Wait, you're the atheist. What are you doing in church? Well, I kind of I believe it now. And people asked, and, he, and he's written a lot now, and here's what he said. He said, the whole case for the non-divine Jesus who stumbles in Jerusalem, somehow gets crucified and Nobody had to do with, you know, nobody having to do with that had anything to do with the founding of Christianity, and they would be horrified what they, you know, if people show up to, today, they would not recognize Christianity, they'd be horrified by it. You know, that whole picture that I believed, and he said that in the liberal circles I floated around as an atheist for 30 years, he said, that just wasn't true. When I dug deep and did real scholarship and looked at it, in other words, he said, when I, when I f- dug deep and found out actual truth, I found out that the Gospels actually tell us what Jesus said and did. They are eyewitness accounts. And so now there's kind of been this blessed renaissance of of, uh, biblical scholarship that actually says, hey, read the Gospels, and that actually happened. All that to say, God's Word is true. So I know many of you and many Christians took that on faith and believed that on faith anyways, uh, as I believe you can, but if somebody tries to disprove or doubt, you know, what's in, in the scriptures and what's in, in the gospels, just give it enough time. And Wilson, the author I was telling you about, even went as far to say when people said, well, what about 
the church in America, and he's English, so in England, you know, people are going to church less, the churches are declining, you know, are you afraid? And he said, no. And I love this quote. He said, the gospel would still be true even if no one believed it. I thought, that's great. Yeah, even if, so if, there, if churches shrink in many places, it doesn't matter in the sense that the gospel is still true. It doesn't change who God is. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, what is that? That gospel, that good news that Jesus has broken into your life, into our lives to live and die and rise for you, and that makes an eternal difference in your life and for the whole world. That is true, even if you don't believe it. Even if I don't believe it, even if no one, that's still true. So today, we're getting into a story that also helps me with that. You see, when people say, well, the gospel's just kind of got built up over time and, and embellished stories, if you were trying to make a good story and, and you know, get your story straight, you wouldn't include today's gospel reading. So Mark has a lot of these stories that if you were, if you were in the back room saying, okay, we got to get this Jesus story straight so people will believe it, accept it, we can, you know, wield power, make people do what they want, you would tear a bunch of pages out when weird stuff happens or when the disciples make a bunch of mistakes. So that's all in Mark. Today's story especially, it's eyewitness account and it's accurate, and if it wasn't, you, you would get rid of it. Let me show you. You might have caught it. Then Jesus entered a house, and again, a crowd gathered, so that he and disciples were not even able to eat. And when his family heard about this, they went out to take charge, get him, grab him physically, and they said, he is, he's crazy. His family, who knows him, saying, Jesus, you're nuts, you're crazy. If you're trying to say, hey, this Jesus guy, he, you know, he's, he's everything, you, you wouldn't want to say, oh, but his family thinks he's crazy. Okay, well, you'd pull that out, right? So Mark's asking you, who do you believe Jesus is? Even his family, who's seen him grow up, who knows him, and we'll come back to this in another story in a few weeks, who knows him well says, oh, man, he's, Jesus, he's crazy. So what has he done so far? For people to make him think he's crazy. The baptism of Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all there. The voice of the Father, the Holy Spirit, anointed for ministry. And he goes out and he's healing people. He's touching people with leprosy and healing them. He's uh, raising people from the dead. He's casting out demons. Part of it's they're saying, this is Jesus. We knew him. He grew up, you know, down the street. We, what? He, he can't be. Who do you believe Jesus is? Next story, or story continues. If you can't read it, it's in your bulletin. I know it's kind of small. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He's driving out demons. That's not a compliment, by the way. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables, saying, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, it can't stand. If a house is divided against itself, it can't stand. And if Satan opposes himself, he is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder his strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, I love this, people can be forgiven all their sins. And every slander they utter 
But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has a demon. So, who do you believe Jesus is? So you've had his family tell him he's crazy, and then the teachers of the law, the religious professionals, come down and say, no, we don't think he's crazy, we think he's possessed. <laughs> also not a complimentary, not, not very good. And then, what does Jesus say? I love this. Underlined part, truly I tell you, people can be, he's speaking the gospel, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. That is a great comfort to you and to me, right? Jesus is saying to you, people will be, can be forgiven all their sins, every slander they utter. Now the next part really catches a lot of people because Jesus says, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. And I know a number of people read this and go, oh no, if there's you know, an unforgivable sin, what is it and have I done it? And, and it brings fear. When Jesus is talking to those people saying, look, you've said I have a demon. I'm God in the flesh right here, right now. If you, if you get this wrong, you, you, you totally got this wrong, right? I'm God. You think I'm a demon. That's a problem. You know, so he's not telling you or me you know, hey, to worry because the verse before he says, people can be forgiven all their sins, every slander they utter. That is saying that is why I have come. That is why I am here. That is the gospel I am bringing. So again, in a sense, Mark and Jesus is asking, who do you believe Jesus is? Is he crazy? Is he possessed? And then the last story, part of it. Then Jesus' mother, sweet Mary, right? And brothers arrive, standing outside. They sent someone in. So they're standing outside. That's a colloquialism to say they're not on the inner circle right now. They're kind of on the, on the outs. And they send someone in to call him. So Mary doesn't even go in. She sends you know, somebody else. And a crowd was sitting with him, and they said, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus says, well, tell them to come on in. We're all eating. We'll have a party. It'll be great. I, oh, I haven't seen them in a while. It'll be great to catch up. No. Does he say, whatever mom wants, I'll do. If mom's not happy, no. He says, who are my brothers? mother and my brothers. And he looks at those around him in that room, not with his family, and says, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now, if you are Jesus' mother, what does that feel like to hear that? Bad, yeah, bad. And we're Americans. Think Middle Eastern culture today. How strong are family bonds? That, that's much closer to the world Jesus lived in you know, th than ours today here. So, oh man. Which brings up the second question. What does it mean to follow Jesus and will you follow him? So Jesus' family says he's crazy. The religious people say he's possessed. And then when Jesus is asked, hey, your mother and brother, they're here and he says, Psh, they're not my family. You are who are with me, listening, and who does, who does God's will. That's a challenge, right? Will you follow Jesus, whatever that means? Which asks us, what are you willing to give up to follow Jesus? Whether it be at times uh, 
closeness in family relationships or friends or coworkers or how closely are you willing to follow Jesus? Does Jesus get all of you or just a part of you, just the Sunday morning part of you, or maybe Sunday morning and, and when you're feeling up to it some other time? If Jesus is the king of the universe, if he is the one with all power, all authority, God in the flesh come near, your Savior, your King, your Lord, he does have claim over all of you. You and I don't get to say, okay, Jesus, you know, I can do Sunday morning and, and most other times, just don't embarrass me in front of my friends, okay? Or, or just don't make me look silly at the family reunion, okay, Jesus, can we just have that? Or Jesus, just let me have my comfortable life. Don't ask me to, to give up anything or, or just not anything hard. See, Jesus looks at his family and, and Sounds like he's, in a way, disowning them. They do come back, obviously. Mary's at the cross, and, and Jesus' half-brothers you know, write parts of Scripture and, and, and spread the church. But here, at the beginning of his ministry, they, they're confused. They don't know who he is. And Jesus says, My true family are those who follow me and do God's will. Now, that sounds harsh if you're Jesus' literal mother or brother at the time, but to you and me, he says, You are my family. I bring my gospel for you, I lay down my life for you, and I will lead you. Follow me and do my will. So back to the first uh, few words on each of these questions, then we'll be done. Who do you believe Jesus is? If you take Jesus seriously in the gospel of Mark, if you take what Mark says seriously, Jesus can't be just only Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, you know, like the hymn says. Not that the hymn's wrong, but he's not only that. He can't just be nice, cuddly, wise old sage. Because there are times when Jesus truly upsets people, truly confuses. It. These are hard stories. These are challenging to read and to wrestle with and to preach on. Jesus is challenging. He's not simply gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He's good, he's loving. He's forgiving, and even says in the story, all things forgiven. He gave his life for you. He promises he'll never leave you, never forsake you. He'll always forgive you. But he's either your Lord and King, or he's nothing at all. He's, kind of, he's not anything in between. And unfortunately, we want to be Lord and King, so we want Jesus to be somewhere in between, but he'll have none of that. And so when Mark pushes us to answer, who do you believe Jesus is, and will you follow him? But who do you believe Jesus is? It's just not intellectually honest to say Jesus was just a good guy who said some good stuff, and we should just follow him and try to be like him. That's just not being honest. So who do you believe Jesus is? That's the first question. Second, will you follow him? If God has created you in his image, if God has breathed life into your body, given you a soul, died and rose to redeem you and gives you life now and eternal life, if God is the King of all, the Creator, your Savior, your life is not your own. You are God's. You have a king, a good one, a gracious one, a loving one, but you have a king and it's not you. Will you follow him? Will you obey even when it's not easy, even when your good shepherd leads you to hard places or calls you to hard things. 
And then here's, for me, maybe the most challenging thing, is when you follow Jesus, we talk about being like Jesus, being Christ-like. When you follow Jesus, you begin to look like Jesus. And from today's story, if you look like Jesus, people might think you are crazy. Ugh. If people thought Jesus was nuts, and we're saying, Jesus, make me more like you, well, then maybe people might think Christians are nuts if they actually look like Jesus. Are you ready for that? Are you willing to look weird because you follow Jesus? Are you willing to stick out? Are you willing to be a little strange because you don't live like everyone else? You don't have the same ideals, the same priorities, even the same morals. You look different. Who do you believe Jesus is? And will you follow your King, your Lord, God with us, who has given his life and risen for you, who is your good shepherd? You see, even though Jesus is challenging, life in Christ is worth it. The gospel is the best news out there. You just might look a little weird, and that's okay. Amen.